and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Nimnick. Appreciate you tuning in for another episode here of Coyote Killing Information. Going to be a good one. Got a, a real good friend of mine, Colton Gillum, on this podcast. Uh, I've known Colton for lots of years. Actually, no, I've known Colton since he, he was in high school. Um, you know, and, and now he's developed into probably one of the most premier coyote killers in the country. I don't know if I know anybody that probably kills more coyotes than, than Colton and his clientele. Uh, it's, it's been awesome watching him, uh, turn into a, a killer like this, you know, over the past, you know, six or eight years that I've known him, but, uh, I've had the chance to hunt with Colton quite a bit. Um, I've competed against Colton quite a bit in contests over the years. Um, but, but really on this episode, you know, Colton one runs an operation called Wyoming predator hunts and really one of the only, um, exclusive predator hunting outfitting companies, uh, you know, in the country. So we're going to talk about, you know, what he does. Um, you know, he runs hunts year round, whether it's fall hunts, thermal hunts in the winter, decoy dog hunts in the summer. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, kind of, you know, how he's gotten better as a predator hunter by, you know, being a coyote hunting guide. You know, I do a little bit of coyote guiding on the side. Um, so we'll have a, a few things to talk back and forth about, you know, when it comes to that and what we've learned. And also I think we're going to talk about a few stories. Um, we, I know I got one funny one. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you guys. I don't know if I've ever really told it uh, on a podcast yet. So, uh, and now Colton said he's got a, a few entertaining ones as well. So, should be good. But before we get going, I'm excited to announce a new partner for the Eastman's Predator Pros podcast, and that's Black Rifle Coffee Company. Now, I'm excited for this partnership because I just love what they stand for. You know, they're a veteran-owned company. I'm obviously a veteran. Um, I just love you know how they market, how they promote. Um, I'm just excited that they want to be part of, of the predator hunting community as well. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a big coffee drinker. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been doing a little research on them. Um, you know, they have this coffee subscription, and I'm going to probably have to get into it. I have been drinking their cold coffee drinks, though, um, throughout the, the winter, obviously. You know, we're up early, lots of long days, you know, chasing coyotes. So energy drinks and, and coffee are all part of the deal. Um, but I've had a chance to to hammer down a few of their cold energy drinks, their cold coffee brews. Um, the caramel vanilla one's my favorite so far. I haven't had a chance to try them all, um, but uh, excited to get get into this this uh, coffee subscription and uh, see what they have to offer. But uh, if you're in the market, want to check them out, what they have have to offer, visit blackriflecoffee.com. Well, Colton, great to have you on the podcast, man. I know uh, we've, we've been trying to get this done for a while, but Seems like we've just been too busy killing coyotes to make it happen. But now that things are slowing down a little bit, here we are. Yeah, happy to be here, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> so who knows? Uh, you know, I don't know when you're, if you're listening to this, you know, when it'll be. But we're recording this here, uh, you know, right about the middle part of March. So obviously I've pretty much checked out of my season at this point. Um, you know, sounds like you're kind of winding down for, for now before you get going with the decoy dog and stuff coming up. Yeah, yeah, I, I've been hunting, you know, for the last week or two weeks, uh, uh, some ranchers calves, and and we've been doing a lot of thermal night stuff, but it's a changing of the seasons, like you said, and I'm slowing down, getting ready to transition to the dog stuff, too, so. Heck, yeah. Well, like you and I always talk about, you got to have a little change, you know? Yeah, that's right. Too much of it is, uh, can be kind of have a negative effect on you i think so it's good to have a break every once in a while and i know somebody may be listening and say seasons you know there's no season on couch you're right technically there isn't a season on couch you know for me it's always been kind of a self-imposed season just with my lawn care business baseball and and everything else and the fur market you know you and i are kind of in that same boat you know the coyotes are worth money at certain times of the year you know and after a while when they're not worth any money you kind of you know kind of lose a little drive right to want to go whack them yeah, when you don't have clients in to kill them or, you know, like you said, they're not worth any money, then the incentive isn't really there uh, other than to maybe train some dogs for me. Oh, for so sure. I like to, you know, they, they get done breeding and they got the pups in their belly and we'll just give them a little bit of a break until they, they have the pups and let the pups get a little older and make the coyotes mean <laughs> and we'll take the dogs out there. <clears throat> so what I wanted to talk about, you know, we, you and I could probably talk for hours about just different aspects of coyote hunting, whether it was the decoy dog or thermal hunting, um, you know, and we've covered a few pieces of those, you know, pieces of the coyote hunting puzzle in previous, you know, podcasts, but, you know, you do a lot of guided coyote stuff and, you know, I do a, a little bit, not near as much as you do, but I thought it'd be fun to kind of talk about, 
you know, how guiding coyote hunts is different as opposed to some other things. Um, you know, yeah. how, how that's made, you know, you a better coyote hunter. I know how it's made me a better coyote hunter. Um, so that's really what I want to focus on. I know you and I have, have a couple, you know, probably entertaining stories or cool stories that have happened, you know, out of the years, you know, so that's kind of what I wanted to cover this, um, for this podcast. Yeah, you bet. <coughs> so, yeah, I've got, so yeah, I, I know you have a ton we're going to get into that. So what I always like to do is kind of, you know, give us a little background on how you specifically got into, into coyote hunting. Well, I've, I've loved it ever since I discovered it, you know, it started out with, uh, watching YouTube videos and going with my buddy who was old enough to drive. I'd hop in the truck and, and roll with him. Um, you know, I was on those predator masters forums every chance I got when I was young watching every type of uh, YouTube video I could find on the internet, watching a lot of your stuff. And I remember specifically, um, being, in the in the hospital down and out i put a you put a uh like a post on the facebook i think it was that said it was like a photo contest or something and and i won the photo contest or a caption contest or something and yeah yeah and you uh invited me to go hunting with you so that was really my first like we went out to marks that day took the took the boys when they were just wee little and i remember letting and shoot that shotgun that little short <laughs> shotgun we still have a video that was funny you know, what was that carrot creighton was probably like five or six yeah we he had was a tiny man we had a 12 gauge with like a i don't know was it like a three and a half inch big cut like a dead coyote load or double odd buckshot or something <laughs> yeah he was begging to shoot that shotgun so we put the big one in and let him have it <laughs> he uh, took it pretty good though yeah it's yeah, funny every now and then you'll send me a picture of that one of the little video clip that's pretty funny <laughs> yeah it's funny to watch those those old memories and, and reminisce and yeah. that was the the very beginning of it all i'd say you know um and then it kind of just spiraled out from there uh so before we get into that i i gotta hear your story your first coyote you ever killed that's kind of a cool thing we do on the podcast it's something i'm it's i'm always interested on everybody has a little bit different story on how they killed their first coyote i want to hear yours well the first coyote i ever shot i never found uh, but the first guy I ever killed was at Mark's, uh, that ranch I took you to that day. And, um, he was hanging around the lambs. There was a bunch of sheep and, and lambs there by the house. And I shot him just off the ranch truck. We were out in the feed truck and road dog shot him out the road dog disaster, shot him <laughs> out the window and drove up there. He'd been chewing on a, a lamb he just killed. So rancher was happy and I was happy to say the least. How about your first called in coyote? Remember that first one? called in coyote. I didn't kill it, but uh, my buddy did. We saw two coyotes run across the road in front of us out hunting. Um, we went to Sportsman's Warehouse and bought one of those little Cass Creek Nomad electronic calls. We yeah, pulled yeah. some money together from our moms. We had about 50 bucks, so we went and bought one of those. <laughs> two coyotes run across the road, and we, we followed them. We had no idea what the hell we were doing and made a stand out there wherever they ran. And ended up calling two other coyotes from a different direction. Uh, my buddy shot one of those. So that was my first, that was my first taste of called in coyotes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so as you got, as you got out of high school, you know, and you're kind of a similar boat as me, you know, while I was in high school, I kind of was just getting the taste of it. You know, where it really wasn't until I got out of the Marine Corps and got to college where I kind of had a lot of time on your hands, you know what I'm saying? You know, in between classes yeah. and stuff like that. And that's really when you kind of, took off and just said you know what i'm gonna hunt coyotes every possible second i can right yeah man i was always watching the weather forecast and as soon as uh, i'd see some some stormy weather or, or some good looking weather i'd jump in the truck and go explore some new country so when you got when you got finished up with you know you were kind of towards the end of college you decided you know that's kind of when you started wyoming predator hunts wasn't it Yep. Yeah. My last year of school there, I started, uh, I started a, a little bit of guide business. I didn't really have many people come out the first year, obviously, but I just thought, what the heck? I got this social media thing going. I got people asking me to take them all the time. I'm, I'm always out hunting, you know, like you said, by myself anyhow. So I was taking buddies and people that I knew from school out all the time anyway. So I figured I'd, I'd start a little thing and it, it kind of just, blew up and became a 
uh, a good career for me. What would you say? Have you ever, I'm, I don't know if you've kept track or not. How many days a year do you, you know, start and clear back, you know, when you were in college, how many days a year do you think you were, you were able to hunt coyotes? I haven't ever tried to keep track. Um, if you ask anybody that knows me well or lives with me, it's probably too many. <laughs> Marty, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my woman can't ever figure out why the hell I want to go hunting when I do it for a living, you know, and yeah, I just, yeah. I just can't explain it. It's just something inside of me that I can't, I've never met somebody that likes to hunt as much as me. Um, now within the last year or two years, I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm like, all right, I need a break slowing down a little bit, but yeah, yeah. you know, I'm still, it'd be three, four five days a, a break. And I'm still thinking about how to, how to go hunt again. So, um, I'd say last year was probably the, the most I've ever guided or hunted, um, between the night hunting and the day hunting. Um, a lot of the, the nighttime stuff is done for ranchers that are having issues with their calves or, or sheep or whatever, but, um, try to get the, the clients the best weather that I can, you know, on their book days. So if the weather looks crappy in the daytime, we might transition and do some night hunting, but, um, I'd say on average, I probably hunt three, three to four days a week. Yeah. Yeah. So. And that's huge, you know, and, and a lot of people underestimate that, you know, you know, I, you and I have had this conversation before too, you know, you talk to guys that say they've been coyote hunting for 30, 40 years. Um, you know, I don't go off that number at all. You know, you know, it, to me, it's off number of days and the number of stands you're making a year. I mean, you know, you take somebody like yourself that can, you know, go out 150 days a year, you know, doing various aspects of coyote calling. I mean, it don't, doesn't take long, right? You start putting hundreds and hundreds of coyotes in front of you, you know, that's you learn, right. You yeah. learn pretty quick. Yeah. They might have the years, say 30 years of experience, but you know, we're getting, uh, 10, 15 years of, of experience, you know, stand wise in, in a season, maybe. So uh, we're hunting way more than most people. Um, we're lucky to do it, but yeah, I agree with you on that for sure. Yeah. I always try to tell people, everybody kind of wants in this day and age, they want kind of a simple answer, you know, one sentence answer on how to kill coyotes and, and it's just way more complicated than that. And, and you look at all the guys that are really good at killing coyotes. The one common denominator is we all do it a lot. You know, I mean, that's, yep. that's the main thing, you know? So that's all I tell people is just get out every chance you get. I mean, you got it. You can, you can ask us some questions and stuff like that, but in the, in the long run, man, trial by error. That's right. Yeah. We can save you some, some time trying to find out, you know, the best product maybe, or, or the stuff that we like to use the most, but you're never going to learn as well as you will. If, if you just go hit the, hit the sage or the Hills or wherever you're at and, and go hunt. So with your guide business, you kind of capitalize on all kind of the entire, as I've talked about before, kind of the life cycle of, of the coyotes throughout a whole year, you know, you spend some time doing some early fall stuff, right? Yep. And, and you're kind of that time of year, you know, obviously you're keying more on the daytime stuff, I guess, if the weather's more cooperative. Yep. Usually the coyotes are quite a bit easier to kill that time of season. So, or that time of year in that season. So, um, I like to push the day hunts hard. I like to, uh, really focus on trying to, to get some guys, some shotgun type coyotes, for example, uh, the oh, younger yeah. coyotes are, are, you know, more liable to come run up on the call hot and heavy and just it just depends i don't it just depends on the day the season the the terrain you know what i mean it's you know how it is oh yeah but yeah, yeah after the the decoy season kind of winds off in july august then we i i pretty much start those fall hunts in late september october and, and work those until it starts to snow and then you kind of transition it seems like you know you kind of work more you know, thermal hunt, you know, guided hunts towards that middle part of the winter. Is, is that dude just, is that usually demand that, is that what guys want? Or is it usually because usually towards the winter in your area, the winds usually just blowing a lot during the day and it's, it's better conditions at night, you know, just a little combination of both. What do you, what do you think in there? Yeah, that's exactly it. The weather around here, you know, just Wyoming in general, now we're in the Southeast part of the state. So it, it's, quite a bit warmer i'd say than maybe central where i grew up um i was a you know 
a number of days to a season, but I think that uh, most guys would rather hunt in the daytime. Uh, it's just hard to stay up all night. It's hard to, <laughs> you know, me, it's hard to, to be motivated and, and feel enthusiastic to get out for stand after stand after stand at two, three o'clock in the morning. So um, I try to get guys to hunt <clears throat> mostly in the daytime. Um, they like to see the, they like to see the terrain. They like to, to be able to see with their eyes, you know, what Wyoming has to offer. We got, we got beautiful mountains and, and streams and creeks and oh, yeah. um, lots of wildlife. And it's fun to see uh, in the daytime, the early fall is a great time to do that for sure. But I ultimately as a guide, you know, one of your top goals <coughs> is to put as many coyotes in front of guys as you can. And, you know, you're always kind of wondering, okay, is what's our best odds and what's our best chance. And, you know, sometimes yeah, the, for sure. the night thing is just where it's at. So as you oh, transition, yeah. as like right now into March, like I said, you'll take a little bit of a break. Um, you know, obviously decoy dogging is another season that you book hunts in, you know, seems like a lot of guys really love, you know, that decoy action. Yeah. The spring summertime is not like your typical, uh, time to kill coyotes. Like most guys have never really done it that much, but I'd say almost every single person that, that comes out on a decoy dog hunt is, you know, it's, it's exhilarating. So they're hooked, you know, they, they, they want to come back the next season. Sometimes they want to come back in the same season. Uh, <laughs> I joke with guys. I'm like, man, everybody's wives hate me because they go home with a new puppy and they go home with a thermal and all this <laughs> new stuff. And, but yeah, I, I enjoy the, the stand action during the decoy season, the best myself. Yeah. You've sent me some videos. You even have some on your YouTube page. Um, you know, what is your YouTube page? Was it coyote snipers? No, it's just nope. Wyoming predator. Hunts. Just Wyoming predator hunts. Yeah. Yep. You have that one that you filmed, I think it was last summer and you have those two coyotes come right up. I mean, they can't be five, eight feet from me probably just, yeah just raging man yeah you can slip in the right spot you know and find the two the 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 two three four coyotes right there that are just the the right coyotes and and it gets pretty wild pretty fast i know one of these years we've been talking about i'd like to you know if i can find some time between the baseball and everything else and the, the lawn care to try to get out and film I'd, I'd like to really do a last stand episode um doing some decoy dog and you know we've I think it's just another avenue of coyote hunting that's out there. I'd like to showcase it, you know, just kind of show people what, what it's like, you know, that have never experienced it. Yeah, man, absolutely. I, we tried, you know, a year or two ago, I remember we tried to try a few, but just didn't have any, any good coyotes work for us. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, the old timer has been doing it for forever. It's been just kind of a, uh, an art that's been, they kind of hit it, hide it, suppress it. And don't really talk about it much, but it's damn sure fun. And I think that, um, I think it'd be awesome to show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, you know, the coyote hunters that are just typically uh, hunting in the fall and winter, another side of it. I mean, I can see why summer. you get the opposition, you know, I mean, you know, it is, I guess coyote hunting has kind of always been controversial. I mean, it's always on the tip of the spear when it comes to anti hunters and things like that. No, but I think within the hunting world, it's one of those things that I think guys are guys just don't understand why you would be out hunting coyotes in the, in the spring and winter or in the spring and summer anyway, you know, you know, and you're right. It's been a, the old time. It seems like the old time government trappers. I mean, that's kind of, to me, kind of where, where that started. Maybe you have no more into the history of the decoy dogging, but you know, that was a tool for them to go find, you know, a pair of coyotes that were, you know, holed up in a certain territory, you know, kind of harassing the yeah. sheep birds or whatever. And, you know, they would use their decoy dogs as an effective means to, to kill those dominant coyotes in the, in the summer. Yeah. I think it's six is, you know, both ways. I think that there's quite a few guys that say, why would you do it for uh, kill the coyotes when the fur's not good? Because they're, you know, that's, that's how they were wired into coyote hunting. They want to kill the coyotes from the first prime. Um, and even, even some other hunters, you know, big game hunters, they don't, they don't, like the fact that we kill coyotes it's just if you're not going to eat it then why would you kill it you know there's that mentality as well but for me it's not about the kill during the decoy dog season i could care less if, if every coyote got away i just love watching my dogs hunt and work and interact with the coyotes you know that's the best part for me so oh, yeah. most of the time if i don't have clients 
the clients all seem to be kind of bloodthirsty. They want to kill them <laughs> first chance they get. But, you know, if I'm hunting by myself, I'm looking more, more into taking a photo or a video. And shit, just the other night we were hunting um, and we decoyed, had five coyotes come in and I, I sent Ryder and he, he's, he ain't decoyed for probably four or five months now. So he was pretty, uh, pretty gung ho to get out there and he chased those coyotes out of the country oh, uh, never never killed any of them but uh i wasn't too upset about it i just like to, to be out there with my dogs and i really enjoy uh watching the dogs work how much is a challenge when you're when you got clients in and you're doing the decoy dog stuff and you said you know they're wanting to shoot obviously you're trying to wait for the right time right you're in the right coyote when you're doing yeah. the decoy dog is that a challenge sometimes you know, keeping these guys. Oh, it's a base. major challenge. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the toughest part about it. Um, you know, it's not, it's not so much to, to get, get a better shot opportunity necessarily. It's more so to, to put on a show, um, uh, for the clients, the dogs are, are working the coyotes. And, you know, if I can read the coyotes, I can tell maybe these two coyotes are super aggressive. Um, I think that they're going to stick around for quite some time. So, I'll tell the clients, you know, just, just relax, enjoy it, watch this, you know, <laughs> and, uh, some guys are better than others, but <clears throat> for the most part, they want to kill them first chance they get. <laughs> it, so. it reminds me a little bit of like mountain lion hunting where like the, hunt, the, the part of the hunt of mountain lion hunt is the chase is watching the dogs is maybe right when you get up to the tree and see the lion, you know, it's not so much killing it, you know, that's kind of the easy part. It's kind of, to me, I kind of see a relation with the decoy dog and it's like the, the chase and the, you know, watching them work yeah. and then watching the coyotes react. And then, you know, shooting them is probably one of the easier parts during that time of year. Just the coyotes aren't as spooky probably. And as aren't, you know, as willing to run out of there as fast when they see you and things like that. Yeah, absolutely, man. When you get like a, a houndsman that's, that's trained his dog and, and put in the work and the time to, to make the dogs what they are, you know, he's more into the, the chase and, and, and being able to to watch his dogs do what what they're trained to do, rather than he's probably seen you know hundreds of lions in a tree. So the the oh, yeah. kill is just well, you do it as much as we do it. It's just the kill is just not it's not the main focus anymore. But I don't know. It's dang sure taught me a lot. Uh, taught me a lot of patience. I'd say <laughs> just the the guiding in general. Probably oh, yeah. one thing it's taught me is patience. <clears throat> So with these clients coming, I mean, do you have, do you have a group of clients that, you know, specifically only come to decoy dog or specifically come to the thermal, or does it seem like a lot of your clientele, you know, they kind of want a little taste of everything, you know, throughout the, you know, if they come back multiple times. Yeah, it's just, uh, everybody's just different. So it's just different with each group, but, um, some, a, a lot of guys just don't understand. I think they see, uh, we use the dogs all year round. So I think a misconception there is that, uh, we're decoying the coyotes all year round, but really we're only decoying in the spring and summertime. Um, you know, in the fall and winter, we're using the, with the dogs to, to track and recover. Primarily, we don't ever get them out on stand. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I don't really ever get the dogs out on stand at night um, unless I'm hunting by myself or, you know, with one of my good buddies that, that I trust to, to shoot around my dogs. So. I think that's probably the biggest misconception. Um, and I have to tell guys quite a few times, you know, if you want to, if you want to see the dogs work, then you probably want to come in the spring and summertime. Um, if you don't care and you, you know, just, you want to hunt and just get the dogs out for the track and recovery stuff. That's what we do in the fall and winter time. So that's what always amazed me when I first went out with you a few times and I'm, I've never been a dog guy, you know, just kind of see you guys doing it. That was one thing that I was, very interested in is how you guys use those dogs to recover coyotes, you uh -huh. know, coyotes. You know, over the years, obviously everybody loses coyotes and wounded, especially in your country where it's thick sagebrush and it's very easy for coyotes to get down in washes and just disappear on you quick. You know, I always thought that was pretty interesting how you guys use those dogs to, <coughs> to do that. Yeah. Um, just the last time you and I hunted the other night, we had that, that big coyote that Creighton shot. Yeah. Yeah. In the guts that we dropped the dogs on, you know, once they, 
they picked up the scent they were gone me and creighton were running across <laughs> there i'm driving around trying to him. find you guys and now you guys were three quarters of a mile back in back in the pasture trying to track down yeah. that big old coyote <laughs> yeah they make it they make it super nice man I, as it would have got away it might take some time you know uh, where you could be making more stands or whatever but at least you've been able to recover and, and kill those wounded coyotes you know, that might have made it out of there. And that's got to be huge from a guiding standpoint, because as you and I both know, when you, you know, you get guys that don't hunt a lot of coyotes and they come out on these guided hunts with us, it's, you know, coyotes a small target. And a lot of these guys just haven't had the experience to, you know, with their guns and with their biopods and things like that. So the shots aren't always great. So it's, it's gotta be pretty beneficial to be able to, you know, recover a lot of those coyotes where that just aren't hit real well. Yeah, there's a lot of comfort in having the dogs in the box. Uh, if a coyote's hit low or, or, you know, far back in the guts or whatever it is, and they run out of sight, uh, I always feel, I always feel more confident when I got the dogs back there. I feel like we can, we can find them pretty easily um, if we just get the dogs in the right spot. So. See, that's the difference between you and I when we guide hunts. You got dogs. I got my AR-15. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, your comfort's in your, your comfort's in your. If they, if they wounded, right I'll there. let my AR-15 clean it up. You let your dog clean it up. That's right. <laughs> <You're> nicer. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm not as, uh, probably not as wise yet. A lot of times with dogs, you don't find them. But I rarely see them get out of your sight. Uh, so, but. So with the guiding, obviously you've been doing it now for, for a handful of years. What, what do you like most about, about guiding coyote hunts? Uh, I've met a lot of good people. I, I've, I've built a lot of friendships. Um, you know, people that I talk to on a daily or weekly basis now um, from the guiding thing. And I, I love watching uh, people, people shoot their first coyotes or, you know, like a, a a young kid, like say Creighton's age kid, maybe, uh, the enthusiasm and, and, and just the way that they, uh, the way that they feel on the hunt, I can relate to because I used to, I used to feel the same way. So oh, yeah. I love taking the kids out and I love, uh, I love showing guys the, the whole equation in the right way. Um, on coyotes and, and doing it with the dogs and, and doing everything I do while I'm guiding is, my favorite thing in the world so being able to share it with guys and show them you know the right guys it's there's really not a better feeling it is true you know you said the right guys and that's that's what i really like about it you know you and i get fired up about this stuff and we just you know it's just a different level for us you know when you can show somebody that and we're always excited when that stuff happens and you know when you look over and this guy you just met a day ago and he's all fired up and has the same excitement, man. It's like, it's like, all right, this guy gets it, man. This guy gets it. Why I get it. Um, you know, that is a cool feeling. Yeah. The atmosphere is just, it's just, uh, you can't really get that anywhere else. And I think, uh, I think it's a pretty special thing. Uh, like you said, uh, the right guy that appreciates and, and understands what it truly is. He's maybe he, he didn't get it till the second day of the hunt where he had to grind it out the first day and the calling was tough or, or whatever. And then something epic happens and, and he still appreciates it. And he knows, you know, you know, oh, that, yeah. how special that moment is. And then he's hooked and he's, he's talking to you when he goes home, you know, he's, he's hunting by himself back home and sending you pictures and, and talking about the way he set up and the things that he did that he learned when he was hunting with you. And it, it's just a good feeling, man. Oh, for sure. You know, another thing I really like, uh, I like the added challenge of it. You know, I mean, if you're, if you and I are hunting with our partners for a contest or guys that hunt coyotes a lot, you, you know, you know, that that person's going to be able to handle, you know, when coyotes come in their side, when, when you have these guys that you've never met before and you, most of them obviously don't have a whole lot of coyote experience. So, you know, you're having to mold setups and, you know, try to position them. It, it makes it, I feel like my, I'm, I'm challenging my mind more. Like I'm, I'm digging deeper, you know, does that make sense to you? Like it, it just makes you a better coyote hunter because you're having to do things a little bit different than what you would do. If you know, you're hunting with, you know, like I said, some, somebody that's been doing a ton, um, you know, just in order to get them the best shots possible, um, you know, 
accommodate maybe how, you know, the physicalness of it, you know, if they're able to do in and out, you know, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you have to tighten up more and you got to think, like you said, a lot deeper um, when you got maybe some inexperienced guys there or, 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 you know, just little things like that is where we're, we're maybe kind of, um, more comfortable or lackadaisical when you and I are hunting together, we don't really have to, to worry about who's going downwind or, or what the guy's doing over here, because we know he's, he's done it a hundred times, you know, oh, yeah. in the last month. So, yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. I'm always trying to figure out, you know, um, kind of how the guys are before they get here, even to the point where, okay, maybe he, he's not as physically able. Um, he told me that, he's asked me about the, the, the walks and told me that he's, you know, had, had knee surgery last year and he doesn't get around as great. So maybe we're going to go hunt some, some different type of land or, or a different ranch than what I had originally anticipated to make it easier on him. Um, yeah, there's just a million factors you got to think about, but. Well, it's all about adapting, right? I mean, that's part of being a good coyote hunter. You got to be able to adapt. And I think this right. forces us to adapt even more, which just, it just makes you that much better. Yeah, that's probably the number one word. I mean, even a coyote comes in, you set up wrong. You got to adapt to where he's <laughs> oh, yeah. going now. You got all these different guys coming in all the time. You got to maybe do things a little different than you're used to. But I think, like you said, it makes us a lot better hunter for sure. Oh, for sure, yeah. Anything you dislike about guiding coyote hunts? Um, You know, it makes it tough when you you get guys that – you don't necessarily get along with, I think, um, you get guys that are tough, just, just tough to be around. Um, the expectations are different than, than what they should be. You know, they're searching for, for other things in the hunt than what you'd hope they'd be searching for. Um, and I've had to learn how to kind of screen guys a little bit. And I've kind of gathered just to, I got to be straight up, up front, honest, you know, tell people exactly how it is. Um, I got to explain to them that they should be coming for, for the right reasons. And to me, the right reasons are to learn, um, you know, the, the killing and, and filling the truck bed with coyotes is the cherry on top, obviously, but it's hunting and it's coyote hunting. And it doesn't always happen that way. Uh, we can't control the weather. We can't control a lot of things. So um, I'd say, you know, 95% of my guys that I get are, are great dudes. And I have a lot of fun with most everybody. Um, the very few, you know, bad apples you get are they kind of make it tough, but the good thing about, about the guide stuff is they don't have to come back. So if, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't necessarily get along, we can get through the hunt and, uh, that's the last time we got to talk to them. Yeah. I think that's, that would be my, if I had to answer that same thing, you know, in today's age of social media, you know, very rarely is anything other than the success shown, you know, on social media. Right. So these guys that haven't really been part of coyote hunting, that's all they see. And they think it's that way all the time. And it's just hard. You're right. You know, setting expectations with, with your clients before they come out and, and letting them know, yeah, obviously our goal is to kill coyotes and hopefully it happens, but you know, it just doesn't happen though. You know, the weather, the, you name it, you know, just, there's always these factors that we just don't have control <laughs> over. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but I need to take a second to tell you a little bit about Sig Sauer Optics and specifically the Sierra 6 lineup of rifle scopes that I'm currently running. Built upon the Sierra 3 award-winning technology and the Sig Sauer BDX Ballistic Data Exchange technology, the Sierra 6 family of rifle scopes provides the hunter and marksman with an intelligent auto holdover specific to their ballistics, target, and environment. Pairing a Sierra 6 rifle scope to a BDX-equipped rangefinder allows users to bring the capability of applied ballistics into the field without the need for a mobile device. Now, to put that more simply, if you're looking for a way to shoot coyotes, especially the ones that hang up out there three, four, five hundred yards and don't want to come in any closer, which we all know happens, you know, this system will allow you to consistently put bullets on target at those ranges. So if you're in the market for a new rifle scope or even a new rangefinder, visit sigsour.com. Now back to the podcast. Yeah. And if it's tough, you know, I'll, I'll pretty much always give my guys a, a, the option to come back at a discount 
or whatever. I, I work something up with somebody if the hunt's tough and it's not what they or not what, what we anticipated it to be, but um, you know, they, they miss coyotes and and they shoot, you know, 15, 12, 15 coyotes and they don't they don't do as well hitting them. I can't, you know, that's that's out of my control. If you want me to shoot them for you, then say the word, but if you miss them, then I guess you need to go home and practice them <laughs> and come back. <laughs> but I'm still uh, you still have not learned well i've been told, telling you this for years i said you need to be carrying your rifle and you just do like i do say hey guys you're gonna get all the easy standing shots but if if crap hits the fan and coyotes start <coughs> leaving and there's misses and coyotes are running hey that's how you get practice at running coyotes man yeah you're just right a bunch of, you just take a bunch of inexperienced guys and you know about it about every other coyote gets missed and and then you get lots of running coyotes throughout the the season you're right, but you know how it is. They're still, they still aren't happy. They miss a coyote. They miss a coyote, and you roll it up for them before it gets away, and you go to high five them, and I got your back. They're still pissed because they didn't kill it. They're gonna take it out on you that they missed it. Um, well, that's why I just talk trash to them. You know, just get them fired up a little bit. You know, you're better at talking trash than me. Uh, I try to say, I try to get them ready for the next day, and I say that's all right. There's another one down the road. That's true. That's true. Well, yeah, we don't want them pouting on all the way to the next stand, you know, because then they end up missing another one, you know, then it just gets worse. Exactly. <laughs> I can't let them see that I'm broken hearted inside. <laughs> uh, so you already talked, you mentioned patience. So obviously that's probably the big thing, you know, how has guiding coyote hunts <coughs> made you a better coyote hunter? Some specific examples like that. Like you said, patience. It's, it's forced me to, um, to the the coyotes that, that come in in a certain way maybe for example um it's forced me to to let them just keep coming whereas if i'm hunting maybe that coyote stops out there at 220 250 i'm gonna shoot him because there could be a wash in between that he's gonna get in but with a with a hunter i'm trying to let him get as close as he can before he gets the wind or or something to to give the hunter the the best shot opportunity that I can, um, you know, so patience in that sense to where I'm letting the coyote work and let him come and let him get close and, and, and this and that. And then on the, on the other hand, um, patience as well in, in the sense that, uh, you know, guys make mistakes and they screw it up and, you know, we worked our asses off all day long. We made 10 stands, finally get a shot opportunity and, they blow it at 50 yards you know and it is what it is that coyote ain't coming back and he's not getting the shot back so like i said you know a minute ago you you just focus on on the next stand and you forget about it and you you don't remember what you did wrong maybe you shoot the gun again and verify that it's sighted in for the third time uh, that's, so that's funny the third time what's the most times in a day you've had a guy want to reshoot his gun because he's missed a coyote Oh gosh. Uh, like he just, like he keeps missing coyotes, but he just can't believe that it's, that it's him, that he he's, he's dead set that it's the gun. And because we're bouncing around in the truck and it knocked it off and every time I'm sure it's the same story. I have every time you set the coffee cup out there, he hits it right with the gun right off the hood or whatever. And he's like, and then you gotta be like, Hey man, this is coyote hunting. It's not, it's, it's yeah. hard. You're trying to shoot this little dinky target out there. That's moving and you're freaking out and you're. It's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know about the most times I, I don't even, I can't think of it uh, a number, but I do remember, you know, certain situations where maybe they're shooting my gun, for example, in the, like the thermal and they missed two or three coyotes, which thermal's different, but you're standing up on a tripod, the gun's being held for you basically. So yeah, yeah. to me, it's like, man, that's a, that's a simple shot, you know, and they blame it on my gun being off or whatever. So I'm like, <laughs> let me see that thing. And I, See that rabbit out there? It'd be a rabbit 200. Rabbit explodes. And I'm like, no. <laughs> you got to take a deep breath and focus a little bit more on, on squeezing the trigger. <laughs> it's not the gun, you know? Yeah, yeah. But you got to come up with some sort of excuse. Oh, yeah. Well, you hit the nail on the head. Patience, man. I mean, that's just in coyote hunting in general. That's huge. And it's hard to me. 
it's very hard to teach yourself patience if you don't put yourself in those type of situations, whether, whether, like you said, it's taking clients, maybe taking kids, taking somebody that hasn't done it a lot, because if you're just going out by yourself all the time or with your buddy, that's, that's a good coyote hunter, the guy you're hunting with all the time, like you said, you're going to be shooting coyotes out there the minute they stop, you know, and doing what you always do. And you don't learn that next little step to me. That's what kind of, elevating yourself to the next step is just really understanding patience and just trusting everything just that much longer before you rush the shot or you do something stupid. Yeah, exactly. I think putting yourself in situations that make you uncomfortable and make you have to adapt, like we were talking about, you know, and just, just hunting really, because if you go hunting enough, you're going to see these situations naturally, they're going to come to you uh, in coyote hunting and you're going to have to figure it out. Uh, you know, if you're coming on a guided hunt with us, obviously we've seen the situations more than most and we can help you and, and show you what to do when it happens. But um, I think the number one mistake that, that my guided guys make is probably just freaking out when they see a coyote, you know, and getting razzed up and, and not um, paying attention to what they're doing or, or remembering what, what we've taught them maybe maybe you taught them uh, in the first day of class before you took them out hunting or, or whatever. It's just hard to, it's just hard to, to think about the situation and calm down when your adrenaline's pumping and you finally <laughs> yeah. have a coyote in front of you, you know? So, yeah, yeah. Um, but it just, I think that's one of those things that just kind of gets easier with time and, and obviously experience. I think the biggest thing is what, you know, like the first time the coyote checks up and looks up your way, you know, I see a lot of guys panic at that. That's the point. They panic like, oh, crap. He sees us. Oh, my gosh. We got to shoot. I mean, the coyotes still stand there chest on looking at you, you know, and at that point, it's like, okay, guys, this, this is where patience comes into play. A lot of times you just sit there and freeze, you know, that's more, and that's, you know, eight, 10 years ago, that's what I'd be like, oh, crap. All right, boom, shoot, you know, and now you're giving yourself a 175-yard chest on shot, which is doable a lot of times, but it's not the easiest of shots. You know, right. you're a little more patient and you'd be like, just freeze. Everybody doesn't freak out. <clears throat> coyote looks around for a few seconds and then the coyote kind of says, okay, and here he comes. And now all of a sudden, now you gave yourself a hundred yard broadside shot or hundred yard chest on shot. Shooting percentages go up more coyotes in the truck. It's just, uh, you know, one of those things. Yeah, not to mention a, uh, less of a drag back to the truck. <laughs> True. True. That's what I'm thinking, man. I'm like, shit, let him come another hundred yards so we can kill him right there on the <laughs> hike down that goddamn drainage and drag his ass up the hill. <clears throat> but yeah, I I think that the initial reaction to you know when they see a coyote on stand, it just kills us a lot. Um, they automatically want to swing their bipod or or move the tripod or, or whatever they're doing when they see the coyote. And I'm just, I feel like I'm constantly saying, just don't move. You know, like I wish yeah, I had yeah. a dollar for every time I said, don't move. Yeah, don't move. Don't move. Relax. Yeah. Coyote's standing there looking at us. You just mimic the coyote. If he's look, standing looking, you freeze and just look at yep. him, you know? And then it's like back to what we, what we taught them or tried to explain to them. Uh, I try to explain to guys, you know, maybe on the ride out in the morning or, or whatever, just kind of some situations that might happen. And it's like, when the coyote disappears or when the coyote's not looking your way, then you can move, you know, ever so slightly and try to get in a position to where he's headed. But I'm going to try to set you up to, to the best position on the stand from the beginning. So even if you're not in the right spot, when you first see the coyote, just relax because, you know, hopefully the way we set up is right. And he's going to work right in front of you anyways. The other big mistake I see guys make when they come out with me anyway is they they go and buy a swagger, you know, and throw it on their gun a week before they come out, you know, and, mm -hmm. it's, you know, they just don't have the the practice with it that they need. And it, getting on coyotes is a skill in itself, you know, and efficiently. So you're not stumbling because, you know, as well as I do, there's already that impatient level that's building up inside of them. And then all of a sudden, if they're fumbling with their you know, swagger or whatever bipod they're using and can't get it set and can't get it. And then they panic even more. And then it's, yep. then nothing good usually happens at that point, you know? Yeah. You want to be able to, to maneuver the, the products that you got, you know, the, the bipod or the call remote or 
your gun or whatever it is, you should be able to maneuver those, I think, without having to look at them. You know, you've, you're so comfortable and, and you've used them enough to be able to watch the coyote and be able to do whatever you're trying to do. This makes it nice with the swagger because it's, they can, they move so easily. So you really don't have to move the bipod. You know what I mean? You can just move your body a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's why I really like those, but I, I think that, uh, you know, they're like you told, we talked about years ago. Um, it's just keeping the same stuff and hunting with the same, the same rifle, the same bullets, the same scope consistently uh, will obviously improve your accuracy too. And it's no different with the bipods or the calls or any of that other stuff. Um, if you're constantly switching calibers and you're switching guns and you're switching scopes, you got to refigure out your leads, your holdovers, everything, oh, yeah. you know, the, the, the way your gun operates. Um, and that's one thing I had to learn the hard way trying to switch guns all the time, you know, um, <laughs> oh, everybody goes just, through that phase, you know, <laughs> couldn't figure out how to shoot. I couldn't figure out how, <laughs> how to shoot running coyotes. Like, I just couldn't, I'd hit him with one gun and then I'd switch. And I'm like, man, uh, but yeah, I think, uh, I always tell guys to use whatever you like, you know, it's whatever you're most comfortable with is what you should use. And the things that I use are the, are the things that I like the most. Oh yeah. So I'm Definitely. just comfortable with them. Definitely. So I got to hear, I got to hear one or two of your best coyote hunting stories. <clears throat> I know you got I know guide you have, stories. I know you have some guiding stories. I got one for you. I don't know if I've ever told it, but I'm going to tell it after you tell yours. Um, okay, maybe, I got, maybe I have I was, told you this one, but um, I got to hear either funny or just crazy. I got to, I got to hear a story. All right. I'll tell you, I got two good ones for you. I got one really, really good one for you. So I was, uh, had these, these two guys out from New York. Um, Chris and Jamie, um, we were hunting at night. They like to hunt with a thermal. So we're hunting at night. Well, I had given Ryder, my dog, a piece of jerky or something, and it upset his stomach and he kind of puked on the back seat or something. <laughs> so I pulled over to, to like clean the back seat off or let him out and get a drink or something. I can't remember exactly, but anyways, I got whatever fixed and, and finished and I loaded Ryder back up and took off down the road was headed to the stand that I had plan been planning to hunt. You know, uh, we get to the stand and there was a coyote there when I pulled up. So I just stayed in inside the truck for a second to see waiting for him to kind of disappear. We could get out and, and call <coughs> and the coyote we called, we we're actually just calling from the cab of the truck. You know, we pulled up, into the the back corner of the pasture um yeah, yeah there were some cows out in front of us and and we were just calling out of the cab well throughout the whole stand the coyote was like working in kind of slow and then kind of doubling back around the truck. i'm like talking to to jamie who was in the back seat the whole time like he's, he's gonna be working here side jamie you see him and i wasn't getting any response and i'm like oh shit he must have fell asleep you know so I'm talking to Chris in the front seat, like, all right, Chris, you just shoot him, you know? <clears throat> and we hadn't even really called much or anything. I think the coyote just like naturally working our way. And then as it gets, you know, within maybe 150, 200 yards, we're like, oh shit, it's a fox. I'm like, damn. So we turn the truck on and go to leave. And I'm like, Jamie, did you not see that? And he's like, not say anything back again and i'm like thinking okay he's just sleeping well then chris is he's like hey wake up you know messing with his buddy like clicks the light on yeah. and like swings back to like hit him in the back seat and riders laying where jamie's supposed to be sitting oh, and i'm like what the so i pull like some blankets and stuff up and i see jamie's not in there <laughs> so then i'm like me and chris look at each other just wide eyed like where the hell's Jamie? You know, and I'm like, my mind is blown. I can't figure out where Jamie went. So we start cruising back down the road. We turn uh, the opposite way that we had come in on and go up the road. And I'm, I'm like, 
what the heck? So then I'm like, oh, you know, it kind of clicks in my head. Like, <coughs> I bet he something happened where we got the dog out or, or whatever. So I flip around, go hauling ass back down the road. And I see his headlight just off in the distance, getting closer and closer. <laughs> then we pull up to him. Well, he had no idea where we were. He had his phone was in the truck. He had absolutely no clue what was going on. He thought that we'd left him on purpose, that we were like messing with him because Chris had been messing with him the whole time throughout the whole hunt. And I'm like, dude, I swear to you, I wouldn't let him, I wouldn't let him leave you out here. You know, I had to explain to him. And finally he he kind of understood that it was an accident. And then it became a joke and it was funny, but he had jumped out to go take a piss when I let Ryder out to clean the back seat. And I didn't have any idea. He shut his door and he walked out there in the sage a little bit. So I was, I didn't see him get out. And he was out there probably 15, 20 minutes before we finally got back to him. So that's the laughing stock of when Chris and Jamie come out now. It's just funny to to talk about and remember you know, the time we left his left his buddy Jamie out there. You're gonna have to start putting that in your waiver, you know, as a you're not responsible if they get out in the middle of the night and get lost in the sagebrush. Yeah, yeah no kidding. <laughs> yeah, that was the first time I ever experienced anything like that. But I'm glad we found him. He didn't freeze to death. <laughs> That's funny. So I I think I've told you, you know, obviously I don't do near as much guided hunting, but but I I've talked about this kind of in, in how kind of how I got my start in, in the coyote world back in the early 2000s. I didn't, I started off doing some guided coyote hunts and I advertised in the Denver post, you know, back then that was before social media and really internet and stuff like that. So I had a few guys that would come up and I had this one guy, um, kind of a bigger heavy set guy. He was like in his early seventies, just kind of a weird duck kind of a guy, you know, and his whole purpose for coming to shoot coyotes with me is, was he wanted to kill nine coyotes on his own to make a coat. That's, that was like his whole purpose kind of the weirdest yeah. thing that, you know, for, not, you know, for us, it was kind of like, that's kind of a weird reason for you to want to come and shoot coyotes. Well, anyway, he was a returning client and, you know, he was, a like I said, he had a hard time getting around. So he always wore tennis shoes, um, you know, cause he just had a hard time walking in boots. So when we'd get out and make a stand and back then I didn't ever carry my rifle. I was just, you know, calling and letting them do the shooting and, and whatnot. So I would carry his gun for him and his shooting sticks. And then all he'd have to do is just walk kind of behind me. Well, it's about mid morning and we're going into mid, you know, mid morning stand. And there was a fence where I was able to hide the truck, maybe 50 yards in front of us was a fence. And then we were going to walk maybe another, I don't know, hundred yards on the other side of that fence to make the stand. So as you can imagine, it just takes us a while to get into this, you know, crossing the fence and yeah, yeah, yeah. he's wearing these old school bib overalls, you know, and stuff. Yeah. We don't, we get on the other side of the fence <clears throat> and I hear him kind of shuffling up to me and it was us unusual. Cause usually it was always 10, 15 feet behind me, you know, walking. And I turned around to look and he had this, just this panicked look in his eye. <laughs> and I thought, well, I'm like, what's up. And, and as a matter of fact, he had his shooting sticks cause he was using them kind of as a walking thing. And he's like, here, take my shooting sticks in this panicked voice. And so I grab his shooting sticks and he starts scrambling to get his coveralls off. And I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, I got a crap. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, well, the trucks, I mean, the truck is honestly just right on the other side of the fence. And he's like, no time, no time. It just takes too long to cross the fence. So he's scrambling. Like he is trying to drop trow as fast as he can. <laughs> and it's kind of this wide open pasture. So I don't really know what to do. Right. So. I'm sitting there holding the rifle and the shooting stick. So I just kind of turn and kind of start walking off into the distance a little bit, 30, 40 yards out there. And I hear all this commotion and whatnot for a few minutes go by. And, and I hear him shuffling back up, cut walking back up to me. So I finally turn around. And the first thing I noticed is something white kind of laying on the ground back by the fence. And I thought, ah, that's kind of weird. And then the very next thing I notice is him carrying his pair of tennis shoes. He had him pinched. You know how you can carry a pair of tennis shoes with one hand. Yeah. You know how you pinch him? And he's got his yeah. tennis shoes pinched in one hand. And I'm like, oh. what in the heck? And now he's just getting closer. And I notice, hell, he's walking in his socks, you know, across his, his cactus. And I'm like, what in the heck? And as he gets closer, I start to notice that he has got crap <laughs> all over his hand 
all over his oh. like tennis shoes. And I am just, I'm sure my jaw was down to my knees, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, what am I doing now? You got to remember, I'm like, at this point, I'm like two years out of the Marine Corps. So I'm still pretty <laughs> patience was yeah. not something that I had yeah. a lot of at that point, you know? And, and I'm like, Oh man, I'm like, all right, well, let's go back to the truck, man. And you know, we'll get you cleaned up or whatever. And he looks right at me and he said, well, if it's all the same to you, I think let's just make this stand since we walked in this far already. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. So I'm just like this point, I'm just floored. So we walk, I walk like another 20 yards and I'm like, this is it. We just sit down. It was like the worst stand he could ever made. And he's sitting right beside me, tennis shoes sitting there. And he's up on his gun. He's all into it. Like, and I'm like, yeah, this ain't really Kyle Stan. We're just making it because you said you wanted to. And the whole time out of the corner, I'm on looking and he's got crap in his fingernails. I mean, it's up yeah, and down hope, the back of his, his coveralls. I hope you're, I hope you're up when. <laughs> oh man. And I thought, holy cow, I'm not getting paid enough for this, you know? No and kidding. This stand was over and we walked back to the truck and I pulled out a jug of water and he kind of, washed his hands off a little bit and then i thought to myself damn he's got to get in my truck you know <laughs> and uh but nonetheless he uh we went back to town after that stand and he got himself cleaned up we actually went out that afternoon he killed the coyote um but that was the last time i ever saw him i don't know if he just <laughs> <laughs> if he finally was just too embarrassed he acted like it never happened you know like he, you and i that happens it's <clears> like pretty embarrassing deal but he acted like he'd done that a hundred times before you know it's just another day for him but <laughs> there's that's some i realized man there's there. a difference between guiding and babysitting you know hopefully it's not for sure not the latter <laughs> the uh the the lack of of care or or give a f that that dude has is yeah, yeah. I'm envious it was because... pretty yeah, like yeah I just, <laughs> I just shit my pants who cares you know let's go kill the he guy. Didn't, yeah, exactly <laughs> he didn't give he didn't give a rip what you had to think that's funny that's a, i don't know if you'll ever beat that one uh, i i hope i hope not <laughs> uh, maybe yeah i hope not too man that's i can't say i've had anything even close to that <laughs> no but. man it, it's crazy so what uh, you said you had another story wild something wild happens what's what's your wildest thing you've ever had um i know you've had some crazy well, stands where you've killed just big groups of coyotes and seen some crazy stuff with some clients anything that sticks out there um well the best stand i ever had with some clients was um some boys came out from kansas and we killed six killed five coyotes on the stand and we killed 10 or 12 that day but um kid was was working a shotgun and he killed the first three and then his oh, buddies nice. killed the next two with the rifles and so that was pretty cool um just the other day we killed uh we killed 12 coyotes on one stand i wasn't guiding but that was pretty wild um it was in the dark and the thermal i was wondering that was when you were hunting that west texas big bobcat contest yep yeah yep. we killed that's, the, that was that's freaking wild yeah it's gonna be a hard one to beat that was pretty crazy we were you know calling them and 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 killing them counting down one two three shooting simultaneous we didn't know how many we killed until we stand was over take it around a 12 of them out there in the dark it didn't take that long it was pretty flat wide open stuff it made it pretty easy uh, <coughs> i'd say we were there on that stand for probably oh, 45 minutes or an hour dang but it was uh they were you know pretty none of the shots were crazy um none of the coyotes really ran they might have ran 50 60 yards but yeah it was pretty lucky for the the type of terrain that we were hunting to be able to to gather them all back up yeah yeah that is wild but uh yeah you'll be yeah, you'll, you'll go you go a long time <laughs> be you know to beat that Oh yeah, that was yeah. How many thousand, how many thousands of stands have you made and not you know sniffed <coughs> twelve on a stand? You know, yeah, not even. I don't know <laughs> if I ever have. That was the most I'd ever killed on a stand before. That was, I think, seven or eight, and pretty much all in the dark. Besides, like I said, those those Kansas boys, I've killed 
a lot of fours and, and some fives and stuff, but anything crazy number wise is all pretty much always been in the thermal. Yeah. Yeah. That is a cool thing. When, when you have a guided hunt, you, you always hope like whether it's a two day or three day hunt, that one really cool thing happens, you know, like, yeah, you know, like it's, whether it's a triple or a quad or, you know, like two coyotes out there fighting each other, just something weird like that. You know, you always hope that each client gets to see something that you're like, wow, you know, I do this a lot and we don't hardly ever see that, you know, it's kind of a special moment, you know? Yeah. I think my hope is usually that whatever wild happens or crazy cool opportunities somebody gets, hopefully these guys capitalize on it because usually there's something, you know, crazy cool or, or awesome that they get to see or, or maybe get a chance at, but it's hard for a lot of guys to capitalize. Usually um, if they get a chance at maybe oh, yeah, yeah. five or six on a stand, you know, they, they miss a couple of shots here and there, but <coughs> I think the, um, I don't even know. I think I told you this story when we went and hunted um, a couple of weeks ago, but the craziest thing I think I've ever seen happen to me this year while coyote hunting was uh, I had a couple coyotes, um, three coyotes out in front of me and I shot that we pulled up in this pasture and the two of the coyotes, two of the three coyotes took off running and I shot one of them standing close he was in some tall grass, thought he was hidden, kind of. It was dark out. I shot him uh, in the, like I see, it was really his neck and his head. I shot him in the face, swung to you know, one of the other coyotes and, and got it running out of there. It was kind of spinning sick. So I'm like, we'll drop the dogs if we need to on that one. I swung back to try to kill the first one or look at the first one that I shot in the face. And when I doubled back, there's a damn mountain lion standing there. And I was like, holy shit, you know, I'm like trying to figure out what's going on here. Well, then I realized the first coyote that I shot in the face is, is like a zombie. Like he's, he's all messed up trying to figure out where he's at. He's all discombobulated. And so then I realized that the mountain lion is stalking the, the zombie coyote that was shot in the face so then i'm like i was with my buddy roberson you know and i'm like holy shit man like we gotta let's watch this play out you know and the way the coyote was i couldn't really like i couldn't really get another shot in him he kept like like getting up like his head would come up and then he would like drop back down a low spot in the weeds and the weeds are probably waist high i could see the mountain line real good because he was probably 80 yards like up the hill behind him but the coyote was kind of down in this low spot in the ditch so we just sat there and watched and i, I recorded a video through my phone i'm like nobody's ever gonna believe us dude i gotta figure oh, yeah. out somehow to record this so i got a pretty cool clip on my phone but that that mountain lion ended up stalking up on that wounded coyote jumping on it and grabbing it by the throat the coyote makes oh, this geez. screaming noise i've never heard a coyote make and then everything's just gone. There's no mountain lion. There's no tile. There's no nothing. And then the mountain lion kind of raises up all slow out of the grass and got the coyote in his mouth by the throat <laughs> oh, and just sitting there looking at us all like, I'm yeah. like, holy shit, you know, that is <laughs> wild. So, so then my brain's like, hey, he's ruining our fur, you know. So I, I jump out. coyote hunter speaking. Yeah, yeah. I jump out and take off running out there, thinking out oh, the lion will he'll split as soon as he hears or sees me, you know. And that sucker held tight, man. I bet I got 30 yards from him before he actually jetted out of there. No kidding. He laid there with the coyote in his mouth until he didn't want to like give I said, it up. I was 20, 30 yards, and I started to be like, Man, this might have been a bad idea. <laughs> I didn't have my rifle with me or anything. But he ended up jumping up and running out of there. Took a video of him, you know, right there close, running away. And I grabbed my coyote, started to look around, and I realized there was a dead deer. So I'm like, well, shit, that, that lion must have killed the deer. I look at the deer, and he had a bunch of fresh saliva on his throat, you know. So I'm thinking maybe the, the lion had killed the deer. Coyote's trying to get in on the deer kill. 
<coughs> and the line was trying to run the coyotes off. I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah, it was probably about the time that we showed up and helped the line out a little yeah. bit. Got rid of a couple of them coyotes. Just crazy timing, you know? For, yeah, absolutely is. Probably never seen it. You want a lifetime to see that again, you know? I started doing a bunch of research about the line that I guess they kill quite a few coyotes every, you know? Yeah. The, the coyotes, I'd, they kill quite a few of them, but. I'd read the same thing. I'd never seen one actually actually do it or anything that that, that showed a, any signs of one ever doing it. So it's pretty cool to see firsthand. Yeah, he was going to have the deer and the coyote for dessert, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm glad I had some rovers in there with me to see it because. Oh, yeah. They'd never believe me. No, heck no, they wouldn't. That's that's wild. But, that's wild. <clears throat> well, buddy, it's been fun, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. If, if anybody's interested in looking at uh, booking a hunt with you, what's the best way to uh, to get in touch with you? I got pretty much, uh, you know, outlets on, on every, every piece of social media. I got YouTube, um, Facebook page. I got Instagram page, um, all the above. You got a website Email. too, right? Yep. Yep. And it's what's all that? the same. WyomingPredatorHuntsLLC.com? Yep. I, th I think the website is just WyomingPredatorHunts.com. Okay. And same with uh, YouTube and, and Instagram and and how Instagram far in advance usually are you booked up? You know, when you're when you're talking, if somebody was interested in coming and doing a decoy dog hunt, is that something they normally need to probably get booked up in the fall? And and you know, if they yeah. want a fall hunt, they need to probably get with you early in the summer, kind of a deal. Yeah, probably. I'd say probably four to, to five months in advance. Um, pretty much everybody that comes out uh, comes back, so I pretty much have you know half the season or three quarters of the season booked um, already. But the few remaining hunts that I'll do, I don't like to, to, to do the decoy dog stuff much past June just because it gets so hot. Uh, it's tough to run the dogs. So we pretty much just do May and, and June um, with those and usually do, you know, four, five a month. So gotcha. I'm pretty much completely booked out for this season, but obviously have quite a few dates for next season if, if you're looking to come try it. Yeah. Well, I'd highly recommend it. I mean, there's a lot of, you can probably do some searches and find guided coyote hunts across the country. In my experience, what you usually find is a deer outfitter or something like that, that wants to try to book a few coyote hunters. So you're not going with somebody that hunts coyotes a lot. I mean, you're one of the few, if maybe the only out there that, you know, is primarily hundred percent coyote hunting. So, um, you know, like you yeah. said, Wyoming's an awesome spot. I'm just across the border in Nebraska, but uh, Wyoming's always been one of my favorite places to go. So if you're in the if you're in the market, man, look up Colton and Wyoming Predator Hunts. You won't be disappointed. I appreciate it. Well, thanks again for being on, buddy. It's always fun. Um, want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. Uh, if you're looking for any information on myself, best place to find it is at my website, coyotecraze.com. That'll give you links to all the YouTube stuff, uh, social media outlets. Um, and, of course, got to thank all the partners that make bringing you this podcast possible. Lucky Duck Predator Calls. Swagger Bipods, Six Sour Optics, Onyx Hunt, Cryptech, Hornady, Black Rifle Coffee Company, and of course, the Eastman's family of hunting journals and their new Tag Hub service that they offer. So, as always, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time right here on the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast. <laughs>